Hello everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're taking a look at a book which has witchy stuff in it. It's very on the edge, like I didn't think that I would be reviewing it when I was reading it. And then afterwards I was like, I have to review this book, it's fantastic. And so I, I don't really have my normal sort of sections marked out to talk about, so we're just gonna, we're gonna freeball it a little bit. Uh, but the book I'm talking about is The Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner. I think it's her debut novel. It's exceptionally good, so if you want to avoid spoilers, turn off the review now and go buy it, because it's, it's great. But I've been seeing this book everywhere, all over social media, like people posting pictures of it, because to be fair, the cover is gorgeous. I posted my own pictures of it as well. Um, and I'd saw, seen people talking about it and seen it in magazines and reviews and I had to get a copy, asked for it for my birthday because it's in hardback and not made of fucking money. Uh, but I got it, read it, recommended it to my mum, she loved it too, so strap it, we're going to talk about it. The blurb for the book is thusly, Forgotten History, A Secret Network of Women, A Legacy of Poison and Revenge. Welcome to the Lost Apothecaries. Hidden in the depths of 18th century London, a secret apothecary shop caters to an unusual kind of clientele. Women across the city whisper of a mysterious figure named Nella, who sells well-disguised poisons to use against the oppressive men in their lives. But the apothecary's fate is jeopardised when her newest patron, a precocious 12-year-old, makes a fatal mistake, sparking a string of consequences that echo through the centuries. Meanwhile, in present-day London, aspiring historian Caroline Passwell spends her 10th wedding anniversary alone, running from her own demons. When she stumbles upon a clue to the unsolved apothecary murders that haunted London 200 years ago, her life collides with the apothecaries in a stunning twist of fate, and not everyone will survive. So there we go. So as you might gather from that, it's kind of a dual perspective novel, although there is a third perspective. So you've got two characters in the past. You've got Nella, the apothecary mentioned by the blurb. And you've also got her sort of protege slash unwilling accomplice slash friend. Their relationship is complicated. Called Eliza. Eliza is 12. She's just got into service in a Victorian household. She's a sort of ladies maid slash maid of all work and she's sent to Nella to procure a poison and that's how the two of them meet at the start of the novel. The third perspective is obviously Caroline, the modern character. She's just discovered that her husband has been cheating on her and so she's gone on their anniversary trip to London, despite the fact that she is American, um, on her own to sort of think about the future of their relationship and while she's thinking about it she gets put onto this path to uncover this mystery like who was this apothecary where did they exist if they existed at all and why did they stop doing what they were doing which is basically being a serial killer caroline's storyline is kind of complicated when her husband who just refuses to give her space follows her to london to try and like talk to her and reconcile their relationship. I'm going to give some trigger warnings for the novel because obviously it's dealing with women seeking revenge on men uh, and a lot of like relationship breakdowns and things like that. So you're going to see uh, people talking about infidelity, you're going to see people talking about abuse and you do see some of that emotional abuse in action although nothing like physical or sexual. So uh, go into that forewarned. The novel is very short. It's not like a, a great big tome by any means it sort of peters out well, not peters out but it doesn't fill the whole book because at the end there's like appendices and stuff it stops on page 257 so it's an under 300 page novel it's very accessible if you are like me and you're just sort of 
daunted by very long books, which is a weird thing for me to say because I read plenty of them, but it takes me a while to like want to get started on them. But this is very short and sweet and you can get through it. It doesn't cover a huge amount of time. Like um, Caroline's side of things only covers like a week. And the same is true of like the historical side, I think maybe slightly longer, maybe a week, two weeks. But we're not, you know, spending a huge amount of time with these characters. There is a huge amount outside of their own little spheres to learn about. Caroline is very much confined to sort of two, three locations. Uh, similarly, we only really see Nella and Eliza, broadly speaking, in one location, like the actual apothecary shop. They do go to other locations as well, but very briefly, and they don't really meet or interact with a lot of other characters. So it's quite easy to remember everybody, remember what's going on if you struggle with that sort of thing. So it, it's, again, very accessible in that way. So where are the witches, you might find yourself asking? Well... The witchy content is, it gets more towards the end of the novel, and this is going to be edging into spoiler territory, so again, if you want to remain unspoiled, stop listening now and go listen to the book, or read the book, whatever, it's great, go buy it. But essentially what happens is uh, Eliza is fascinated by Nella's work and Nella's story, because, you know, usually your apothecaries, they're sort of semi-doctors they prescribe medicines to help people and maybe also like rat poisons and stuff to like help with those sort of problems but she pretty much uniformly is known for her poisoning work and not for helping people although she still does a bit of that as well and she's not very happy about it that this has become her lot in life her sort of self-prescribed crusade uh, is making her very unhappy and very unwell but, ne um, but Eliza is fascinated by this work and because of her own frailty, Nella ends up sort of befriending her and telling her about things. She also gives her a book of magic, uh, which I think she just gives Eliza as um, a sort of balm for the fact that Eliza thinks that what she does is like witchcraft and she's like, no, it's just like chemistry and science and all of that stuff. But this is magic and my mum had this book so you can have it too. And Eliza then takes to this, she goes to the bookshop, um, which sells exclusively occult tomes and items, uh, which is mentioned in the front of the book that she's been given. And she gets another book of spells and ends up actually concocting one of the magic potions, which debatably has a huge effect on the plot later on in a very kind of magical realism, did it do something or did it do nothing kind of way. Uh, so that's where the witch content comes in. Obviously, I find like Herblore and Bosony and things like that go hand in hand with witchcraft. So if you look at it a certain way, there's more content than that. But if you're one of those people who sort of doesn't view Herbcraft and that as being an intrinsic part of witchcraft, then there's going to be less content for you to enjoy. But there is still definitely mention of witches and spells and magic and all of that good stuff. As for the excitement in the novel, the sort of midsection, um, Eliza does make a, a mistake and that leads to the police kind of cottoning on to the existence of this apothecary and Nella actually being kind of hunted and be under investigation for the first time in the apothecary's history. She hasn't managed to stay under the radar this time. And so that from that point onwards, the story is her kind of trying to do damage limitation and trying to escape the situation she's in, making these sacrifices of whether she wants Eliza to be taking some of the blame here or whether she's going to take it all on herself. And their relationship of kind of pseudo mother and daughter 
it's all very interesting and, and good and it kind of draws on a lot of different things between them and kept me interested right up until the end i genuinely didn't know what was going to happen on caroline's side uh she obviously has to deal with her husband showing up and there is a little bit of like dry researchy time where she's going to libraries and looking at maps and things like that which was at least semi-interesting it doesn't overstay its welcome it's handled in a very brief way uh, and not you know pages and pages and pages of dry cataloging information but it does get pepped up when she's accused of murder because her husband ingests a poison uh which or a poisonous substance i should say not like a poison but but she happened to have it in her bag something that you could take and it would obviously make you very ill and possibly cause you to die and so she gets investigated for murder this again doesn't outstay its welcome i don't like reading whole novels of people being accused of things they haven't done I feel like I talked about this a little bit when I did that Jodie Picoult book, Salem, Salem's Lot. No, that's Stephen King. Ah, what's it called? Oh, that's going to annoy me. Salem Falls. I had to Google it. Salem Falls. That's like a whole massive long novel about people being accused of things they haven't done. So I find that really stressful to read. I'm not good at that kind of thing. So uh, I, was, I was pleased that that again didn't outstay its welcome. What I'm saying is, like, the novel is really well paced. Like, there wasn't a point where I was like, oh, no, I have to read a character from a chapter from this character's perspective. I wanted to hear from everyone equally. I was just as keen to get back to the historical stuff as I was to the modern day. I wasn't, like, skimming. I was fully engaged with the material because it was very surprising and interesting as well to follow the progress of both characters. There's definitely a lot to like there and it's a very feminist novel and kind of brings in a little bit of like feminist ideas about sort of women and the recourses they have to go to historically to get vengeance or get out of bad situations because the law just wasn't there to help them. Uh, so that was very interesting to read about. It's a historical time period that I'm really keen on, like Victorian London. Love things set in Victorian London, so right up my street. There was one thing that did bother me. So the key event that leads to Caroline investigating the apothecary is that she goes mudlarking. My parents are nerds, so I already knew what that was. It's basically you go into the sort of side bits of the Thames. I don't want to say like the beach because it's not a beach. The shore, shall we say, when the Thames goes out because it's a tidal river. And in all the like mud and shit and supermarket trolleys, you can find stuff that's been there for centuries, like Roman stuff. And I guess even before that, because it just gets stuck in the Thames mud and, and washed about in the tide because there's been like a city around the Thames for a real long time. And... Mudlucking is like a, a big hobby, like there's shows about it that you can watch on like the History Channel. If you're a fucking nerd, they are pretty fun. Uh, and so when Caroline is sort of casting about for stuff to do to take her mind off her cheating louse of a husband, she gets talking to this guy who's like, we're gonna go mudlucking, and she's like, I don't know what that is, but I'm down. So she goes mudlucking, she finds um, a few like pebbles and shit in, in the mud, and then she finds an apothecary bottle which has um, a special sign scratched into it indicating that it's from the secret apothecary and it's her interest in this uh, and her trying to like trace this thing and find out more about it as a distraction from her own troubles that leads her into this mystery and then at the end of the novel spoiler alert this is all spoilers but still 
she decides that she's going to go back to being a historian because basically she she wanted to go and study for another degree and get more involved in history but in the end she was taught out of it by her now husband and took a safe job to support their family and he's also made these kind of compromises and they've both ended up in really unhappy lives and she's like who is this really for if we're both unhappy and we both think the other person's making us unhappy maybe we just shouldn't be together so she decides to get back into this whole historical thing and to do a massive research project on the apothecary and all of the primary sources and stuff that she's dug up during her investigation except that then she chucks the bottle she found back into the river She's like, oh, this bottle found me at just the right time and it brought me together with these women from the past uh, and linked us in this inexorable way and, and it was all very special and magical. Let me just yoink this thing straight off a bridge right back into the Thames so that someone else can find it. Which is kind of a nice message, but at the same time, I feel like she needs that as part of her research. Like, obviously she could have taken pictures of it. But if your story's going to be, I found this bottle while mudlarking and it led me down this road to find a sealed up apothecary room that no one had been in for hundreds of years and found all of this amazing stuff that doesn't really have a prominent uh, provenance because, you know, it's just been sitting in a room. You kind of need the bottle to back that shit up to be examined. It's an important part of the story. And also, to me, like, I really like to keep things. This is a weird statement. But, like, when I go away and I, like, have tickets and stuff, and I like to keep them and stick them into books, I like holding on to, like, acorns that I found on my way to somewhere important. Um, and, like, little bits and pieces of just junk, really, that relate to places that I've been and to me I found it incredible that this bottle this like touchstone of this incredible journey she's been on she just chucked it into the river so I get that the character is different to me and then all characters are going to behave in a way that I would as a person but that kind of annoyed me and then when I thought about it and the historical significance of the bottle I felt like there was a legitimate reason for her to keep hold of it even if she isn't the kind of junk keeper that I am so that did annoy me a little bit but thankfully it wasn't the kind of book where the woman spends the whole time thinking about what a louse her husband is and how unhappy she is in her marriage and then she's like I think I owe it to us to give it one more chance because bitch you don't just leave so then I recommend this novel if you're interested in Victorian historical novels like if you really love the crimson petal and the white this is going to be right up your very Victorian alley if you're interested in stories about poisons or botany or old-timey medicines like there's a lot of stuff about like cantharidin and making these ointments and special potions and stuff in here very interesting very evocative if you're interested in the witchy content obviously there's plenty of that as well and just the sort of mystery of it obviously I've spoiled that with this review but there are you know aspects of the book that I didn't spoil so you should go read it anyway uh, I definitely recommend this book. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for anything else by Sarah Penner because she's clearly very good at like researching and then getting that research into a really taut and well-worked storyline. So keep an eye out for her and other books. Get to them before I spoil them for you. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!